Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you. This is a remarkable prophecy that would be precisely fulfilled 340 years later. This was more than a pronouncement of judgment against the altar. It was announced that the judgment would come through the ruler of Judah, the house of David. This was a special rebuke and source of concern to Jeroboam, who was always aware of the threat from his neighbor to the south. Now let's join Pastor Rob, starting in 1 Kings 13, verse 1. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Kings We're going to look at chapter 13 tonight. It's a fairly lengthy chapter, and so just to get us caught up to where we're at, last, the week before last, we were in 1 Kings 12, and it was immediately after the death of Solomon that Solomon's son Rehoboam began taking responsibility, taking the reign of his father from that point onward. And you'll remember that... Uh, the people of Israel had been working very hard. Uh, some of them were slaves. Uh, some of them were just paid. Uh, but, but either way, the, the children of Israel were under a lot of duress because of all of the different building projects that Solomon had, uh, had done. And we know that it took seven years for the temple and another 13 years for his own palace and the other uh, buildings in the palatial complex, if you will, there in Jerusalem. So a total of 20 years, literally half of his reign was in construction. And uh, that needed a lot of laborers. And so the people were getting a little frustrated because when Solomon died, they were thinking to themselves that maybe his son Rehoboam would lift the uh, some of this burden from them. And you remember that Rehoboam contacted the older men who had been leaders under Solomon, and he approached them and he said, what should we do You know, uh, from this request of the people? And they said, if you will be a servant, you, know, you will um, lift this affliction from them and re- you know, deliver them from some of this heavy burden, and they'll be your servants forever. And then uh, Rehoboam, unfortunately, he, he shunned that um, that uh, that advice, and he goes to the younger men who grew up with him, and they said, "Well, they're complaining. They're complaining. Well, this is what you do: you tell them that you're going to even 
up the ante, and you're going to make them even more, uh, uh, bring them more into labor. And unfortunately, and very foolishly, Rehoboam took that advice, and the people got so frustrated that it really splintered the country. And so Rehoboam only really had uh, uh, Judah and Benjamin, uh, otherwise known as just the tribe of Judah, even though it encompassed both of those two southern tribes. And Jeroboam, who was just a servant of Solomon's, who had been in exile in Egypt, he's now back at the scene, and he was born in Ephraim up in in the northern part of Israel. And so now he becomes the king over the northern ten tribes, And last week, we we looked at how Jeroboam had kept and made two different altars, uh, one in Bethel in the the southern part of his northern kingdom, and then one in the northern part in in the town of Dan. And he made two separate altars there, and he put golden calves at each one of these things and caused Israel to fall into idolatry, and they would have it so. It tells us in, uh, in, in chapter 12 that he actually uh, sought advice for this. And so he sought the wrong advice. Because if he would have done the right thing, he would have uh, not done that. But as a man now over ten tribes, he, ha- he felt he had to do something. Because we know that all, all Israel is supposed to go down to Jerusalem at least three times a year and uh, take part in the feasts of the, the unleavened bread or Passover and the uh, Feast of Tabernacles and uh, Pentecost. And those were the three feasts that every Jewish male was to go three times a year. So now Jeroboam's got a problem. He's like, in order for me to keep the people, to control the people, I've got to build my own worship centers. And, and he did that. And he uh, uh, made these false calves, these false golden idols, which was very familiar to Israel, going way back even hundreds of years prior to this time. They, 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 they grew up, they came out of Egypt still having that idolatry as part of, their, of what they've seen. In fact, you remember, they were not very long out of Egypt, and they built a golden calf. And uh, Moses' brother, his older brother, Aaron, was the one who led them in this idolatrous worship. Here is your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And that's the very same line that Jeroboam said to the people now that they've built these two shrines, one in Bethel in the south and one in Dan in the north. And incidentally, if you go to Israel with us in the next Israel trip, and hopefully we'll get dates for that, uh, that's one of the places that we go, is you actually can go to that center where that actually took place. And you'll see uh, a model of the altar. The altar is pretty much gone, but the foundation of it is still there, and they've erected like a, what it might have looked like. And you can, uh, it's really fascinating. A lot of history up there in Dan. And so um, that's what happened. And, and not only did Jeroboam lead them in this idolatrous worship, but he even makes up a feast day. On the seventh month, on the 15th day of that month, was to be the Feast of Tabernacles. And so what does he do? He devises of his own heart a feast for the northern ten tribes, and it would be exactly to the day one month later. So instead of on the seventh month and the 15th day of the year, or 15th day of the month, he would do it on the eighth month and the 15th day of the, of the month. And so exactly one month later, he would have this feast 
And so, and there's nowhere in the scripture where that was supposed to happen. That was a thing that he made up. And thus, as a result of this, as you go through the scripture, you're going to see a lot of uh, recollecting the Lord bringing people, bringing you and I back to this idea of this worship of Jeroboam and how it was so in- incredibly wicked. In fact, all the other kings of the northern tribes will be compared to the wickedness of Jeroboam, and they never, ever recovered from that. They never did. And what a sad commentary. Because God gave to him, just like he did Rehoboam, much opportunity to change and to do the right thing. And God even told him, Jeroboam, if you obey me, then you're going to be blessed. And he didn't obey. And the northern ten tribes, they never obeyed the Lord. And incidentally, they were the first ones to go into captivity in 722 B.C. to Assyria. And it wasn't later until you know, 606 B.C. or 605, somewhere in that range, that Babylon finally came against Judah and took them captive because they didn't learn anything from their northern sister. They continued doing those idolatrous practices, even some of the kings of Judah sacrificing their children to Molech, to this molten god that they would heat up in the valley of Hinnom, which is right there to the south of the Temple Mount today. And so that's where we're at. And so finally, we get to verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 13, and uh, let's just read the whole chapter. Uh, and it says, uh, And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord God, Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign that same day, saying, This is the sign, or the miracle, which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. And so it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, who cried out against the altar in Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him! And then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. And the altar also was split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. And so the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him. And became as before. And then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you. Nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. And so he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works of the man of God had done that day in Bethel. And they also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. And their father said to him, 
Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God who came from Judah went. And then he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. And so they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. And then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he says, I cannot return with you nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, You shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. And he said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. I like that, how the Bible just puts it in parentheses. Just in case you're, you're curious, he was lying to him. Okay, so we got that straight. Verse 19, so he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. And now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, thus says the Lord. Because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread, and drank water in the place of which the Lord said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. That's amazing, isn't it? So it was, after that he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled the donkey for him, the prophet whom he had brought back, And when he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his corpse was thrown on the road, and the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse, and there men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road and the lion standing by the corpse. Get all this picture in your head because it's really fascinating to consider just how many strange things are happening here. And so um, it's just amazing to me. So his corpse was thrown on the road. The lion stood there, and, and there men passed by, saw the corpse thrown on the road, the lion standing there. Then they went and they told it into the city where the old prophet dwelt. And now when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient to the Lord, uh, to the word of the Lord. And therefore the Lord has delivered him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke to him. And he spoke to his son, saying, Saddle the donkey for me. And so they saddled it. And then he went and found his corpse down on the road and the donkey and the lion standing by the corpse. The lion had not eaten the corpse nor torn the donkey. And the prophet took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey and brought it back. And so the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And then he laid the corpse in his own tomb and they mourned over him saying, Alas, my brother. And so it was. After he had buried him, that he, brought, that he spoke to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines on the high places which are in the cities of Samaria will surely come to pass. After this event, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way. But again he made priests from every class of people for the high places. Whoever wished, he consecrated him. And he became one of the priests of the high places himself. 
And this thing was the sin of the house of Jeroboam, and so as to exterminate and destroy it from the face of the earth. So as we read this passage, it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, here the man of God is doing the right thing, and now you've got this old prophet, and, and the Lord uses him. There's so much about this event that just strikes you, doesn't it? It's like, why would God use this old, older prophet who is obviously listening to a lying spirit? Why would God now all of a sudden use him? And there's a couple of things that we have to remember. And that is, in Luke chapter 12... Jesus said this in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 47. You can write it in your margin of your Bible over this heading of this chapter, perhaps. But really, I think of this chapter as, if I had to put a title to it, it would be, to whom, um, what, what did I call it? To whom much is given, much is required. And we see that in Luke chapter 12. It says, And that servant, Jesus speaking, he says, Who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him they will ask the more. And that's really what this is all about. God had spoken to the man of God and told him specifically what to do. And he was faithfully doing it up to a point. And he was deceived by another man who claimed to be a man of God. And he probably was at one time. And, um, but he had grown old, uh, probably compromised. And we will look at that later. It's an unfortunate thing. In fact... Jesus said in Matthew 24, just to further elaborate on this in chapter 14, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive the greater condemnation. You will receive greater condemnation, because they were the ones who were supposed to know, and yet they left their post. What God had called them to do, they weren't doing. And see, God has a problem with that. When we are called to do something, we need to do it. We need to do it faithfully. And we have to be careful of the wiles of the devil because he's always trying to get us off course. Now, it may not result in your death, and thank God for the age of grace that we live in now, but God is not any different today than he was back at this time. He's never changed In James chapter 3, it says, My brethren, let not, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. And it's true. You know, if you're in a place of authority, it's really important that you're careful about the things you say. And I'm learning this all too well myself. But notice back in verse 1 here, that the man of God went from Judah to Bethel. Now think about that. Judah is in the south, and Bethel is, is further north of that, under the jurisdiction of the northern ten tribes. But a great question to ask is, why did God have to send a man of God from Judah to Bethel, where Jeroboam was reigning? Wasn't there, a, and the obvious question, or the answer is, well, there evidently wasn't a man of God in the northern part. Or if there was, they weren't willing. 
And it's really a sad commentary, isn't it, on the old prophet that we read about already. Why didn't God choose him? God didn't choose him because evidently he was already compromised. I don't know that it had so much to do with age because God used very aged men to do really extraordinary things. But it's also a sad commentary on the attitude of the people of the north. Was there not a person of God? Was there not a man of God who, could, who God could use? And notice at the end of verse 1 it says that Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And I said before that Jeroboam was an Ephraimite, meaning he was born and came from Ephraim, which is in the northern ten tribes. And was he supposed to be offering incense and taking the role of a priest? No, he wasn't. What tribe was that dedicated to? Levi. Yes. So he had no place in doing what he's doing. Not only did he erect these idolatrous altars, which he shouldn't have done, but now he's acting and fulfilling the role of a priest. And, and again, um, you know, he made up the new holiday as well for them. But notice in verse 2 that he cried out to the altar saying, O altar, notice the man of God from Judah comes and he's standing there before the altar in Bethel and there is Jeroboam offering incense, acting in the, in the, in the, in the role of a priest and, and this man of God, we don't even know his name. <laughs> I love that too. God has servants and you know what? I could care less if my name is named. Just let me be a servant of yours, Lord. Let me be a servant of yours, and happy will I be if you can do anything in and through me. But he doesn't even mention his name. But notice the man of God cries out against the altar itself. And furtherly, by implication, he's also bringing judgment upon uh, what Jeroboam is doing as well. But notice he addresses the, the altar, because this pagan, idolatrous altar was an affront to God, and it was a sin. We've already read that. And it was, and, and Jeroboam as a leader, he was supposed to be bringing people closer to the Lord, but instead he's leading them away from God and leading them somewhere else, leading them to the doctrine of demons and worshiping demons. And that's literally what he was doing. And God hated it even more because that would be the catalyst for the fall of the northern kingdom, and they never recovered. And God gave them a long time. He gave them a long time to repent of their sin. Over a, you know, quite a long time. A couple hundred years, maybe 200 years, something like that. I didn't do the math, so I'm just estimating. But enough time to repent. But notice, in verse 2, it also says, Behold, a child, Josiah by name. And, And this is interesting because we know that yet future to this event, way down the, the, the road in years... Over 290 years in the future, Josiah would be born. And here God names him before he would even be born. Josiah was just eight years old when he became king. Can you imagine that? He's still running around in a Spider-Man outfit with a sword, you know, and, and God's like, you know, you're, you're the king of Israel. <laughs> it's okay to have the sword, but you might want to change the outfit, Right? Eight years old. And when I think of this young man being called out by the Lord over almost 300 years before he was born, reminds me of another time. And Isaiah tells it to us in Isaiah chapter 44. 
uh, 28 through uh, chapter 45, verse 7, where God calls another man specifically by name. It's the only place in the scripture that I know of, other than arguably maybe John the Baptist and Jesus. But we're talking about a long time before these men were born, at least 150 years. God calls Cyrus, the man who would ultimately let the children of Israel leave Babylon when they went into captivity. God calls him out by I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.